Love is such a big word. It's almost too big of a word if you ask me. Not because it's scary or because I'm afraid of love, not at all, but because it means so many things at the same time. Things that we don't always measure the size of or the importance. It's a big word because we all understand it differently depending on what we've been exposed to during our lives. For example, if you have the opportunity to see your parents or grandparents be happy with each other, care for each other, show their appreciation to each other, then you have seen a very beautiful, kind and happy version of love. The meaning that you will put on the word love, your own personal version of it, will be inspired by this experience. When you will talk about love, this is what you will be talking about. And there is a chance that this is exactly what you will be looking for for yourself. If your experience was very different and the examples of love you were exposed to were not as joyful and positive, then subconsciously the word love will be charged with other underlying meanings. And it is likely that this will impact your own love life too. Think about a person who's been in an abusive relationship during her or his teenage years. Think about a person who witnessed one of his parents having an affair and maybe leaving home. This will certainly influence their perception of what love is and should be. I guess the question is then, would it have a rather positive influence? For example, pushing this now grown-up person to do everything to avoid repeating the same pattern. Or would it have a bad influence? And this now grown-up person will never be able to fully trust anyone because they felt they've been betrayed, while no one knows. We're all capable of defining what love is on a superficial level, but it is a fact that we understand it very differently depending on how we experienced love ourselves. I guess that's why we should be careful when it comes to comment on other people's relationships and choices. Today we listen to Louise's story. You will soon find out that she ended up being in a very abusive relationship. So there are two things I would like to say before we hear her. First, I would like to warn you that there are parts of this interview that could be upsetting for some listeners. Second, and it comes back to what we were talking about, the things we accept in the name of love and care and protection are different for everyone. She'll explain it much better than me, and I hope it would help us all to understand that love is not black or white. It can be much more complicated than that. That episode is the first part of a double episode dedicated to Louise's story. As you know, this is not something I've done before, but I'm trusting my gut feeling here. Sometimes there are things you just cannot edit, things that simply need to be said and heard. For these two episodes, I would encourage you to listen to both what is said and what is not said, what's in the tears and what's in the laughter. Louise is now 35. The relationship she's talking about started in 2014 and lasted for more than two years. actually somebody that I went to school with um, but I hadn't seen him for like 16 years uh, but we were really good friends at school he had obviously found me on Facebook um, and really randomly just messaged me and said oh I'd, 
you know, see you're sort of living nearby. I live in Edinburgh now. Um, it'd be really cool to see you. You know, do you want to meet for a coffee or pint or, or whatever? So I was like, you know, I love randomness. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, he'd always had a thing for me since school, which is funny because I really fancied him in school. And of course, we ne- we never said anything to each other. And so I guess that was quite nice. But he said that, I was always the person throughout that 16 years that had always come back into his mind and his heart all the time. Um, the one that got away, apparently, according to him. So, so yeah, that's why. I guess I was intrigued more than anything because I, I, I didn't want to sort of think too deeply into it because um, I guess that he was always a bit mental, actually. I think because I was feeling so flat and so unlike my sort of fun side of myself that I guess that that's what excited me. I thought it would be really nice to meet somebody who, again, that's like, da-da! Um, so, yeah. So we met in town and um, it was funny because <laughs> he said to me, it was nice because he said to me, oh, I knew it was you because I saw your hair before I saw the rest of you. And my hair is a real thing that everyone associates with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was just the same. And, um, well, he seemed just the same on that initial visit. Um, and we got on like that. I mean, it it, it was pretty much... There was no awkwardness, nothing, which was pretty amazing after 16 years of not seeing anybody and we were laughing and joking. And I think maybe perhaps as well it was easier because where we grew up and how we grew up is quite unique. It's difficult to explain that to somebody. So because he'd experienced the similar thing, that's what was a really nice sort of connection. actually been at a wedding and so he turned up pretty wrecked still <laughs> we went for a coffee and then him being him was like oh well you know we'll go for a pint blah 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 so we did that and several pints later <laughs> uh, we had something to eat and we walked around town and then we went and had more drinks um, and this is something i don't usually do. I'd just like to say that now, because <laughs> I don't. Um, but I guess it was exciting and it was something that I hadn't done for a long, 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 long time. And then <laughs> then he kissed me and that was nice. Then we went to a pub in Edinburgh, which is kind of renowned for 
um, sort of folk music and, and things like that. And it's the kind of place that we would find at home, where we come from. So, uh, so we went there and that was really lovely and there was some fantastic music and I missed my last train home. Uh, so I had to go and stay at his, which is something I never do. <laughs> Ever on a first encounter. So, yes, that's what happened, and um, it was all very exciting and um, nice and new and um, different from my previous years of boringness <laughs> as it felt at the time. felt ecstatic (laughs) Uh, so I guess I didn't feel so useless anymore or not wanted or you know any of those pathetic um, things yeah I I was excited I was on a different planet I I guess I felt hopeful That, that that was the main emotion because I had gone from thinking there's no hope for me to, uh, oh, okay, you know, there's hope and um, this is somebody that I'm connected to in lots of other different ways. So the following weekend he he asked me on a date, which is exciting because I'll have to admit now that nobody's actually ever asked me, like, out on an official date ever in my life, which is really tragic. But it's true. So that was actually really nice and really exciting. So um, we went through and I I went to town and um, we had dinner and we watched a film and we took a nice long walk and um, then that kind of went on and on and on where it was always him that was saying come through and I'll take you out here and I'll take you here and there and everywhere again that's something not used to at all somebody you know being proactive in in you know creating a day and um yeah taking me to places and doing things and actually felt I know it sounds really stupid actually felt really quite grown up it was ridiculous for someone in their 30s but, but that's yeah that's kind of how it felt and I was still excited after about I don't know the fourth date or whatever and then it I, I did begin to have a few kind of doubts because every time I had seen him he would get absolutely off his face drunk now that is something that I'm not kind of used to in a relationship it was kind of to the degree where I thought my god you know he's a bit mental I always knew he was mental but he's actually slightly unhinged and I I did begin to think oh god do I really need that in my life even though this is really exciting and you know I'm really into him and you know etc etc and then it came up to my birthday I was meeting a a bunch of girlfriends um he 
did come for drinks. And actually that that night I said to him, <laughs> um, I said, you know, just a couple of things that you've said and done that kind of make me think that I don't actually think you've got space for me in your life. So I'm just going to, you know, this has been great. <laughs> but actually... I'm just protecting myself here because I just feel that you you don't actually have space for me because um, you've got too much else going on, which he did with his own job and um, various other things that, you know, I won't bore you with now. But um, So I was trying to be sensible and I guess I was trying to protect myself even though I was, you know, like really fancied him and it was all great and blah, blah, blah. But he, you know, he was adamant. No, no, I don't know why you think that. And of course, no, you you know, you know, I've been waiting for you to fill the space sort of thing. So I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, he is genuine. Um, So I went with him. Everything happened so fast and I was the that was another thing about that relationship and after about three months of me living in that flat um, on my own in the city he asked me to move into in, in with him so yeah it, it went from dating to really quite serious very quickly for the first time because I am very independent <laughs> I'm very used to sort of living on my own or living with people that need looked after so it's always me that's the looker afterer so what was nice about that relationship was he was the looker afterer and he kind of took control of that but I allowed him to which I hadn't done before he was the practical looker afterer um and got stuff done and it's like was very organized and routined um where I guess I was the nurturer of cooking cleaning doing all that sort of th- stuff which, which you know I guess I have have always done but it, it seemed like a more defined role um which I didn't mind at first because I was so like I didn't really think about what was going on um I guess to define it in a really black and white way, he was the person in control at the end of the day. I'm probably annoying because I, <laughs> I always talk about feelings. I probably talk about feelings too much to the, to the point that it's bloody annoying for the other person. Um, if I felt there was a problem or even not, like even if, you know, he did do something genuinely really nice or... You know, I would I would tell him, and I would tell him that he was special because of that, and um, which he found very difficult to take, um, or even you know, if it's telling him how handsome he is, or um, yeah, I, I think at first, like a lot of relationships, we talked a little bit more about all those things you mentioned, so. Um, but we also connected it to school, which was nice. 
So he would tell me things about memories he had of me and how that made him feel and and what he thought of me at the time and that that was really really nice a lot of it was a very um sort of sexual thing or or a um an attraction thing not a hundred percent but that I think that played a much bigger part on the obsessional part of that relationship and that feeling if that makes sense um that was kind of quite new actually to me so maybe that took over from everything else although I did genuinely love him too and loved lots of other things about him but um that kind of sexual energy thing sort of probably took over a bit more than it perhaps should have I began to realise well actually I had already realised at the very beginning it's just that I chose to ignore it that he actually did have a pretty bad drinking problem Uh, I mean he would drink every day and to absolute excess um, and it was horrible it was really horrible and it was really worrying as well because here was a person that was really handsome really intelligent um, you know funny uh, ge- very generous um, but was a horrible drunk I mean horrible drunk um but by that time I was so sort of emotionally involved that um me being me thought I could save this person (laughs) that's me the fixer so you know it was awful it was awful to live with but I felt like I I couldn't let him down but I resolutely was gonna stay like I wasn't you know which is mad now, but I loved him. And I, I, you know, he needed me. <laughs> so, yeah, and I felt sad. I felt really sad for him and his circumstance and his situation. Um, but it was really stressful to live with that. But then I guess in many ways... With anyone who has an addiction, there is always um, sort of part of you that almost feels like you have to support the addiction to be able to lead a semi-normal life yourself. So that began to happen. So I then felt guilty about that because that's not helping him, me, anyone. So everything became unenjoyable. You know, you you'd plan to, I don't know, go for a nice Sunday lunch somewhere and you'd look forward to it and then you'd get halfway there and think, this is going to be awful because it's going to end up the way everything else ends up, which, of course, it then inevitably did. So, yeah, it kind of seeped into to everything, but but progressively. So that, that yeah, it, it... I guess I and him at first would hide it. 
Um, and then as it went on, you just, you, you couldn't hide it anymore, you know. And I, mem- I remember saying to him at one time, I said, you know, if I go somewhere with you, I want to feel proud that I'm with you and that you are my partner. And I said, and I just, I just don't feel like that because you're so fucking horrible to people Um, and me you know but you're yeah it was like a Jekyll and Hyde type situation very much so so Probably nine months, maybe even a wee bit earlier than that, actually. And in terms of how you feel about him, where are you at this point? Well, this is the really fucked up weird thing. (laughs) Here's a person that's horrible and saying horrible things about me to me. But but I, I still really loved him, even though... I don't think anyone's ever made me feel so horrible about myself, ever. And I hope they never do ever again. Um, But I still really loved him. Because... because, (laughs) It's going to sound really corny. Because there is always hope. And I guess I've always been like that as a person. But plus as well, I always try and see the best in people. So because I had because I knew all these good things about him and all the really nice side of him. I was hopeful that, you know, good would overrule evil. (laughs) It's really childish. But I did, like, genuinely think, well, that'll overrule, so it'll be okay, it'll be okay in the end. And, um, yeah, so I did, even though all that awful stuff was going on, I st- at the end of the day, yeah, to answer the question, I still loved him. Did it fuel your love for him, all this? <laughs> yeah, do you know, I never thought of it in that way before, but actually I think it did in a really fucked up way because because I felt really protective of him. Um, because I did eventually like tell my mum and dad, and that obviously they were like, I would, I did, I, t- I told them some of the things that he did and said, and they were like, oh my god, get out of there. I mean, they were obviously, as your parents would be, really worried, and um, and my friends were just like, you know, you've got to get out of there. But that fueled me as well. I was like, no. I will not, because <laughs> you guys don't understand. Because it became such a bubble in which we were living that I, it, well, I guess at times I couldn't explain it to myself, let alone other people. Um, so yeah, it did fuel it, and I never thought of it in that way. But I think I think you're right. I think I think it did because I was so protective of him for me 
not a lot of things are black and white. (laughs) Hardly anything is black and white. And so his problems were so much more complex and complicated than just being a fucking drunk arsehole. I guess, yeah, the drinking got worse and the abuse got worse. It was was horrible. I guess because, well, I guess because I wear my heart on my sleeve a wee bit and obviously by this stage he knew me very well and I just think I'd probably told him most stuff about me. So because he knew what all my vulnerabilities were, that's what he played on. So, um... So, things like... He would, um... I, well, he would put me down on basically being a failure in life. (laughs) So, that I hadn't really done anything with my life. And that I didn't understand the world in which we live and uh, uh, you know and other things I guess all girls hate like you know things to do with my weight which seemed to be like a massive thing for him um of course actually I put on lots of weight when I lived with him because I was so stressed um not all of which I have been able to lose yet but anyway um but I think the the hardest thing sorry, was um, I had actually not been particularly well in my sort of mid to late 20s. And um, I got better and I was fine. But because I'd told him this story, which is obviously a very personal story, um, he would really play on that, but make me think that I was actually, like, mental. Like, I was actually sort of, like, mad. And there was something really sort of mentally wrong with me. Um, I had some sort of nervous breakdown at that time in my life, and it was horrible. But he kept bringing it up all the time as as a weapon to also highlight my failure as a person. So when you go through something like that, when you're in the, re- the relationship in the present, what did you tell yourself to carry on? Like, what was the, like, the internal conversation you know, to kind of justify the fact that you were staying and that it was okay? I don't know. I, I guess I just wanted to make his vulnerabilities better. Because... I knew how horrible it was to feel that sort of lost and dark and not understood and, you know, all those things. Um, Yeah. It sounds like 
you fix him, you fix yourself. Yeah, maybe. Well, I never thought of that. <laughs> never thought of that before. It's a question. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe there was something in that where um, I felt maybe deep down that I could show my strength. So this person who was telling me that I was really weak and a weak person, a feeble person, um, I could show him my strength. So, so, so yeah, maybe, maybe in a way it was a, a little bit of underlying fix myself but prove myself that there isn't anything wrong with me and I'm perfectly capable of cracking on. But then, you know, you would have the occasional week where everything would be like totally fine, like it was at the very, 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 very beginning. But that was difficult because it was almost like false hope, really, because I thought, oh, great, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay. And, you know, he would do like random sort of acts of kindness, like sporadic, you know, come out of this dark, horrible, non-communicative state. And then, you know... I don't know, take me out for dinner and have a lovely time. and But that also, I think, helped me to stay as well because I thought, oh, well, that, this, is, this is how nice it can be. So, so actually, yeah, if I know that it can be this nice, then, you know, when he's better, it'll be nice at this all the time. did leave like three times for a day you know and which sounds dreadfully dramatic doesn't it but I'd be like fuck this fuck you fucker bye <laughs> and I'd go off but then I'd always feel really guilty but I'd do you know what it wasn't just that it was pure fear actually of what the fuck he'd be doing you know he's alone to himself so although yes I did get to those moments where I was like I've got to go this is just fucking mad I did always go back. I'm not going to comment very much after this first part of the episode. Next time, Louise will carry on with her story and she will explain how and why she got herself out of that relationship. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Breaking Point Podcast. If you wish to follow us on social media, go on our Facebook page. It's called The Breaking Point Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter as well under the same name. Still no goodies to offer you to encourage you to rate this podcast on iTunes. Just me asking nicely and hoping that you will do it. You can also talk to your friends and family about it if you think they might enjoy it. <laughs>